Dear Lord, as we begin to talk about the Resurrection Sunday, we begin to think of the incredible sacrifice that your Son took upon himself, our sin, the sinless one, who knew no sin, becoming sin for us, that through him we might become the righteousness of God. As we think about that, elevate our hearts, fill us with gratitude and worship, and a greater desire to know you, and to be known by you. And Father, we uh, pray that as we look at your inspired and errant word, that you would take it, that you would apply it rightly into our lives, that we would be challenged and changed, transformed for your glory, your purposes, and our betterment. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Probably many of you know the name Joni or Johnny Erickson Tata. You probably have heard her speak or maybe seen an interview, maybe read one of Johnny's books. You probably know that she went to the Parkville schools, that she had a very good friend. Her name was Jackie. Together they shared life. They shared milkshakes. They shared sunsets. They talked about boys together. They played on the same high school field hockey team. Every day they would run the same 25 laps around that field. They enjoyed life. They both knew Jesus Christ as Savior, and they shared that faith one with another. Frankly, life was good. They look back on those middle school and high school years with fond memories. Mostly good, just a few difficult times. Really small bumps in the road. One such time was towards the end. It was the last game. It was a game that was for the city championship. Johnny played forward. Jackie played defense woman. They passed the ball back and forth, scored a couple goals, gave up a couple goals. With about two seconds left, the other team scored and they lost. You can imagine that was disappointing to them. The two sat in the back of the bus as they went home. And they sang the song that we sang first today, Man of Sorrows. And they sang it back and forth one to another. A little bit of sorrow over the loss, but their hearts filled with joy because they knew Christ. Their senior year finished. They began to prepare for the next step, which for them would be college. Midsummer came and Johnny went to a pool. She dove in the shallow end and she became a quadriplegic, a tragic event. Her life seemed to be quite different than it had been just prior. She tried to make sense of it. She tried to find answers. She tried to find reasons, but instead she found peace. The years passed, and she talked about it. She lectured on it. She wrote about it. She spoke repeatedly about what God had taught her. Some of the lessons that she wrote 30 years later are these. She said, I have a 
palpable desire to go to heaven, a desire probably more than I would have had had the accident not occurred. She said, I believe Romans 8, 28. All things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ that is deeper and more profound, and I have a deeper and more profound prayer life than I would have had prior to the accident. I have an understanding of suffering that has enabled me to care for those who suffer at a much higher level. My thought life has been pure because, frankly, many sins are out of reach for me. And in the times I might have been thinking about sinning, I've been thinking about God, praying to God and communing with God. It's not that she is thankful for the accident. That's not it. But she's thankful for the good things that the accident still brought into her life. And she sees how God worked the difficulty in her life for good. It was on the eve of her 30th high school graduation that she learned of her best friend Jackie's horror, the difficulty in Jackie's life, the darkness that had descended. Jackie's son, in a moment of despair and discouragement, took his life. And Johnny immediately called Jackie, didn't get through, and instead penned her a letter. And some of that letter goes something like this. Dear Jackie, my husband Ken and I will be in Baltimore for the high school reunion in a couple days. We'd like to get together with you. You remember after my accident, as I was on that striker bed, you remember you crawled into bed with me. You held my hand and you sang, Man of Sorrows. And you sang it over and over again. This time I want to hold your hand. I want to sing, Man of Sorrows. And Jackie, don't look for the reasons why. Don't look for answers. Rest in God's peace. That's what you need, Jackie. You need peace not answers. And over the days and months and years, Jackie found the peace that Johnny found, the peace that a blind beggar in today's text were found. They found the man of sorrows. I want to pick up and read in our text from Luke 18. We'll read verses 35 all the way to 43. Verse 35. As he, Jesus, drew near to Jericho, so they're south in Palestine, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? 
He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, they gave praise to God. I want us to picture the scene. Jericho is a bread basket. It's a center of vegetables and fruits. The heat is high in Jericho. Most days easily reaching into the 80s and low 90s. It's long before the sun has risen. A beggar awakes. Maybe an hour or two before the sun will rise. He spent the night most likely under a tree out in the country. Most likely homeless, forgotten by society. He will tap his way to the city gates. It's very important that he gets there early. He needs to get there, hopefully to find a place out of the sun, in the shade, as the sun will beat down on him. He wants a spot where there's heavy traffic, where lots of people will come by, where they'll hear him say, alms for the poor, the poor blind beggar, alms for the poor, hoping that someone will give him something, maybe a little scrap of food, maybe a small little coin, maybe something he's hoping. So he taps his way through the fields, along the street, to the gate. He finds the place that he's found before, maybe many times, maybe dozens, thousands of times he's been there. And then slowly life begins to take focus. He can hear the very early vendors. They would be those who bring the fruits and the vegetables. They bring the dates and the pomegranates. And the pineapples and the apples, they bring all sorts of fruits with them. Maybe, just maybe, one of them will have an undersized apple, maybe a little rotting apple. And they'll give it to blind man. His name is Bartimaeus. Mark tells us that in Mark 10. Maybe Bartimaeus will hold this, this undersized apple. It'll be a prized possession. He'll save it for later. He'll need it in the heat of the day. As the morning wanes and moves forward, the crowds pick up, the foot traffic picks up. There's a buzz in the city, but it's, it's not like it's been before. It's a little bit more than it's been in the past. There's more people, there's more foot traffic, there's more buzz, there's more sound. Something is happening around him. He's not sure what it is. He's blind. He cries out, hey, sir, you... What's happening? I hear people. What's going on? Haven't you heard? The rabbi, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, he's coming today. He's here now. You can imagine what goes on in blind Bartimaeus' mind. The man of sorrows is coming. The one of whom Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 35, 5, that he will restore Sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. This is the moment. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Jesus. Jesus. Son of David. Have mercy on me. Jesus. I'm here. Shut up, blind beggar. Be quiet. Beggars should be seen if necessary, but not heard. Be quiet, man. Jesus. Shut up, I told you. You can kind of picture what's going on. 
The town council is around. A dignitary is coming to town. He's coming through their gates. He's coming to Jericho. The rabbi, the miracle teacher, the one who speaks unbelievable things. He's coming to town. And the first thing he's going to see is one of them. Oh, you know what I mean. One of them kind. One of the people that is not a leading citizen. Not somebody you want out front. Can't we move him today? Can't we get rid of Bartimaeus and the others? Can someone do something about this? Jesus is coming and, and one of them is there. Oh, you know what I mean by one of them, don't you? An outsider. Someone who may hurt the reputation of others. Someone who doesn't seem to have it all together. One of them. I wonder what would happen if one of them came to Highland. Oh, not a blind beggar, though that could happen. You know one of them. I don't know. Maybe an unwed pregnant mother who in a moment of foolishness and passion for the paramour got pregnant and, and he's long gone. And the baby is in gestation. And she's getting to show. And she's welcome. She's welcome. Or maybe one of them, somebody who struggles with sin, not, not like, like me. You know, somebody who really struggles with sin. Somebody maybe who has a substance abuse problem. Or morality problem, one of them. Of course, they're welcome. They're welcome. What if it's somebody who struggles with same gender attraction? Or other forms of challenge with morality? That would be like all of us, wouldn't it? Like everybody struggles in some level with morality. We're one of them. You see, the issue is not so much the temptation. It's not so much the struggle. It's the giving in. And that's where we come alongside one another. And instead of pointing the figure and saying one, another, one of them, we say one of us. And we pray for one another and we support one another and we encourage one another and we spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Temptation is common to man. Jesus was tempted. Hebrews 4, 15 said, he was tempted in all things but did not sin. The temptation is not the issue. It's thinking about the temptation. It's meditating on the temptation. It's giving in to the temptation. And when that happens, we become one of them which would be all of us. And we got to decide, are we going to say, blind Bartimaeus, don't be here? Or are we going to say, let's pray for one another and spur one another on and help one another take the next step in one's relationship with Christ? Because Christ will take us, but he won't leave us where we are. He's always encouraging us to take the next step in our relationship 
with Jesus. Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Enough, beggar. Be quiet. Enough of this. Somebody shut him up. You remember what Jesus said in Luke 5. I want to remind myself of this. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but rather those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came for Bartimaeus, and he came for you, and he came for me. To the ears of many, it's not just that Bartimaeus was crying out. It's what he said. Son of David! Have mercy on me. Don't miss that. Those are theologically charged words. Those words pack a theological punch. They're rather rare in the Gospels. Based on the various places this account is placed in the Gospels, it's possible that Bartimaeus is the first to utter them. But they're Old Testament words. Anyone steeped in the Old Testament knows Son of David. It's a declaration that this is the Messiah. This is the king of kings, the king of glory. This is the one who came to redeem sinners. This is the one who came us, came to show us how to conquer death through him and how to conquer sin through the power of his spirit. This is Jesus the Messiah. You can imagine the city council doesn't want these words uttered. These words could get the populace in trouble with Rome. Shut the man up. Did somebody threaten him? Maybe. Did somebody kick him? Possibly. Did someone give him a swift punch to the gut? Very likely. Put a cork in it, Bartimaeus. We don't need your kind and we don't need your words. Be quiet. Shut up, beggar. Someone once asked deaf and blind Helen Keller how tragic it must be to be blind, is it not? And she made this statement. Better to be blind in the eyes and see in the heart than to be blind in the heart and see with one's eyes. Bartimaeus is seeing with his heart, though his sight is not yet there. Typical of Messiah, the man of sorrows, Jesus reaches out and he says, Bring the man to me. I love a detail that Mark gives us in Mark 10, 45. It's not in Luke, but it's in Mark. Blind Bartimaeus throws off his chiton, his outer cloak, and he makes his way over to Jesus. Now, I want us to think about that for a moment. The most prized possession that Bartimaeus owns is that chiton, that outer cloak. It might surprise us, but almost every year it snows in Israel. In fact, in Israel, like here, the snowpack is critical for the water levels. If Israel does not get enough snow in winter, the Galilee, which is the largest freshwater lake in the Middle East, is too low. They are dependent on snowpack. It gets cold at the nighttime in Israel. We have a blind beggar, most likely homeless. He owns a chiton, an outer coat. That's not just for sitting on. That is his lifeblood. He doesn't have that in the winter. He dies. That's it. 
It's all over. And Jesus calls him, and he throws off his chiton, and he makes his way over to Jesus. What is the chance that a blind man in heavy traffic, who has already annoyed the authorities, who leaves his jacket behind, is ever going to find that jacket again? I would say slim and none. But that's faith. You see, he doesn't only say, Jesus, son of David, he doesn't just say Messiah. He believes that Jesus is the Messiah, and he acts on it. He leaves the coat behind, and he makes a beeline to Jesus. And how does Jesus respond? In the parallel passage in Matthew 20, it says Jesus touches him. Think about that. In a few days, I'm going to be in Haiti. I've been thinking about this verse over and over again. Jesus touches him. The man probably hasn't bathed in days or weeks or months. His hair is matted and greasy. He smells his clothes, perhaps, are infested with fleas. And he shows compassion. He cares for the least of these. And when John and Jared and I go to to Haiti, we're going to see some Bartimaeuses. We're going to pass some Bartimaeuses. We might even teach some Bartimaeuses. Will we keep our distance? Or will we care for the least of these as Christ cares for this man? Jesus reaches out and he touches him. And then Jesus heals him. The language used actually refers not only to to physical healing, restoring of eyesight, but spiritual healing. No wonder the man worships Jesus. No wonder the man glorifies God. No wonder the man becomes a disciple. He's not only been healed physically, he's been healed in his heart. And as I think of this text, a few things come to mind. The first thing that crosses my mind is this. We have a man who understands who Jesus is, And who he is. I love the word he uses. Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. He doesn't come to Jesus and says, you know, I've got a few things I've been doing for you. Or there's a few good works in my life I'd like to tell you about. Or I want you to know about my character because it's better than average. So I ought to get into the pearly gates. He says, have mercy on me. And we all need those words. We need to cry out for mercy. It's the only way by which we are saved. If Jesus extends mercy, if the one who knew no sin takes on sin for us, that through him we might become the righteousness of God, we embrace his mercy. Americans aren't very good at mercy. We're good at rights. We're good at rights. And, and hey, I love my rights. I, I'm not giving up my rights. But let me just mention a few of our rights. Some good, some maybe not so good. I'll let you decide, and we all might have different opinions. 
the right to my own body, the right to bear arms, the Bill of Rights with Ten Amendments, civil rights, home rights, child rights, the rights of the majority population, the rights of the minority population. We are all about rights. We are. And I like my rights. Don't you dare stomp on my rights. But when it comes to Jesus, I dare not ask for rights. I've got to ask for mercy. I ask for mercy not only for salvation, but each and every day. I ask for mercy prior to taking the, the bread and the cup because it's what, what I need. I need the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness, the cleansing of God. The second thing I see in the text, and I love this, when Jesus bids Bartimaeus to come, Bartimaeus throws off his coat and makes a beeline to Jesus. He hears the call of Jesus in his life, and there is action. There is transformation. There is change. And I need this. I want this in my life. God is always bidding us to take the next step in our relationship with Christ. He's, he's always bidding us to, to connect with others to grow in Christ, and then to go. He's always bidding us to do something more, to make more transformation empowered by His Spirit in our lives. Will we be like Bartimaeus? Will, will you, will I be like Bartimaeus when Jesus bids us to come? We go and we take action. It might look like this. Let's suppose for a moment that we have a message on forgiveness. And we could sit in our seat and say, well, that's fine, but you don't know what she did. You have no idea what he did. And I'm not forgiving. Now, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean restoration. We get that confused. Forgiveness means that I will no longer hold you as captive in my mind. I will no longer serve as judge, jury, and executioner. I will pray for you. I will desire good for you, even if the relationship is not restored. And sometimes maybe it shouldn't be. But I'm going to extend grace and mercy and love. God bids us to forgive, and we could say, you know what, not me. But we could be also like Bartimaeus, and I trust like you. Jesus called him and he went. Or maybe it could be a, a message on morality and, and we think to ourselves, you know, the pornography addiction or pornography practice, it's got to go. Well, I've said that before, but you know, this time it's got to go. I've got to build accountability in my life. I need to ask somebody to hold me accountable and, and be vulnerable and and I need to memorize some scriptures to focus on in the moments of weakness. And, and daily I need to ask Ephesians 6.14 for the breastplate of righteousness. And, and I need to ask for the fruit of self-control from Galatians 5.23. And I need to constantly do this. I need to take action. I need to take steps. Because when God bids us to come, it's not enough to think good, noble thoughts. We need to take the actions to do what he
He desires us to do. Or maybe it's on prayer. We hear somebody talk about prayer and and we admit to ourselves and God like we have a thousand times, I'm not good at prayer. But this time we're going to set aside 15 minutes every single day. We're going to pray. It may be the worst 15 minutes of God's day because I don't know what I'm going to say and And I'm going to be clueless, but I'm going to try. And I'm going to be around prayer warriors. And I'm going to ask them what they pray about and what they do. I might even read a book, skim it anyway, on prayer and learn something about prayer. When God called Bartimaeus, he threw off his outer chiton. And he bid his past goodbye and he went to the Messiah. He followed the call of Christ on his life. The third thing I want to remember is that we serve the man of sorrows. We serve the man who cares for the Johnny Erickson Tata and the Jackies and the Bartimaeuses. We serve the one that cares about your difficulty and and your challenge and your sickness and your grief. We serve the man of sorrows. We serve the one that can be closer to us than a brother. The one who has sent his spirit to guide us and to empower us. Who has sent his word that we might know us. Has allowed the veil in the temple to be torn in two. So that we have direct access to God in prayer. And he longs for that relationship. The man of sorrows cares about me. And he cares about you. And he cares about all. And his love for others ought to be our love for others. And his love for us ought to hold us secure. Man of sorrows. What a God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the life of A blind beggar named Bartimaeus who teaches us to care for the least of these, who teaches us faith, who teaches us about your son, the Messiah. Father, like blind Bartimaeus, may we declare son of David, Messiah, King, Lord. And may we constantly Make your son Lord of our life. We ask these things earnestly in the name of Jesus. Amen.